Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hello, Ron. How are you today? I'm doing well, Pam. How about yourself? I'm good. Hey, have you ever fallen asleep or sat there and your hand goes numb or your foot goes numb? Yeah, and it is, it's annoying, right? Because you, you shake it to wake it up and it tingles and hurts and uh, or try to walk and you feel like you're stumbling. Yes. You know, sometimes whenever I talk to our survivors, I hear oftentimes this uh, numbness, tingling, burning, and that's all I can relate to, um, you know, something like when your hand falls asleep, but I know it's much more. And I know this is a topic that can, um, a lot of people can relate to. So I'm really excited about today's episode. Oh, I am too. I am too, Pam. You know, um, when early on we talked about trying to find people who can speak, uh, uh, authoritatively, if you will, on our topics and, and really bring a lot to the podcast so our listeners can can learn from. And we definitely have one today. We have uh, uh, someone who has practiced and helped treat or uh, given tips and, and things to combat neuropathy, uh, peripheral neuropathy, and chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy, uh, who also by herself has chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy. And oh, and by the way, is also published. So uh, we have a great guest today for you guys. Uh, everyone who's listening along, please join me in welcoming Dr. Dana Cardenas to today's episode. Dana, Dr. Cardenas, how are you? I am fantastic. How are you guys? Well, we're good. And I tell you, I, your, your enthusiasm on the other podcast I've listened to and uh, your humor, um, I can't wait to dive into today. Are you sure you're ready? <laughs> we got a lot to talk about today. We do. We do. So we better we better quit chit chatting and let's jump in. So let's let's just start. Uh, tell us about yourself uh, sure. and tell us about um, maybe some things that you've been through because I know you've been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am a native Texan to start off with. So uh, I know you guys are in Amarillo That's and right. I'm very familiar with that. Um, I am a a Red Raider. So I, <laughs> I know that area well up there. Beautiful. Uh, but I'm from Coleman, Texas. Grew up in the kind of the heart of Texas on a ranch out there. And um, I, you know, country, small town girl my whole life, um, but decided that medicine was my, my go-to. And so I became a podiatrist and uh, practiced in Grapevine, Texas for 11 years and then next thing you know, uh, which isn't a long time, to be honest, um, but next thing you know, I started to have problems with my hands and I couldn't feel them. And uh, if your surgeon can't feel your hand, her hands, that's a problem. And so um, I was actually forced to retire early from neuropathy of unknown origin at the time. But my story gets a little, little bit more interesting because two years later, I was diagnosed with uh, stage three colon cancer at the age of 46 with no family history. Um, I was then subsequently diagnosed with Lynch syndrome. And then uh, my oncologist figured out that I had perineoplastic syndrome which is rare. It's not something that you come across every day for sure, but the cancer that I didn't know I had at the time caused the numbness in my hands and a few other things that we figured out along the way. Uh, so I, uh, I had 27 inches of my colon removed and uh, was lucky enough to be reconnected at the time and then went through... Um, uh, eight months of chemotherapy, uh, full Fox oxaliplatin, as I call it, the devil, <laughs> uh, was part of that and um, really spurred the neuropathy that I still live with today. So um, I will tell you my neuropathy is not exactly like everybody else's, let's say, Chemo-induced neuropathy, most of the people have problems with their hands and their feet, their arms, their legs, that kind of stuff. I have 
global neuropathy from that, meaning my face, my cheeks, my forehead, my lips, my tongue, my mouth, my chest, my thighs, my back. It just, it varies from day to day. I definitely have it in my limbs. For me, it's uh, mostly um, what I feel is I'm wearing knee-high socks all the time, and I'm wearing gloves to my elbows all the time. That's what it feels like for me. If I get super tired, then um, that feeling goes to like wearing thigh-high socks and uh, gloves up to my shoulders. And I have problems uh, with just talking for a long time, meaning if I wanted to have a conversation with a friend uh, over the phone, it would be hard for me to do because my tongue just kind of just drags around sometimes. So that's what I'm left with. Um, It hurts sometimes. So I have managed to find ways to take care of that pain when it's uncomfortable, prickly, sharp, burning, all that good stuff. Um, but I've also learned some workarounds with my hands for sure. Wow. But yeah, wow. so so that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> in, a, in a big nutshell. In a big nutshell, yes. So from the time that you started having the symptoms to the time of diagnosis, did your symptoms get worse over time? Um, Which symptoms are you talking about? Are you talking about my neuropathy? Yeah. So it was really interesting when I was originally diagnosed with neuropathy, idiopathic neuropathy. um, It was, it went from, I'm kind of numb to, I couldn't use my hands almost super fast, like within two months time, it was really fast. Uh, but I, once I got diagnosed with the colon cancer and my tumor was removed, the time between surgery and starting chemo actually felt really good. Like my neuropathy actually was improving and I was, I had hope I was like, okay, this is, this is, I don't even know why this is happening, but overall, I didn't know how bad I felt because I didn't know I had cancer and just getting the tumor out. I felt like a brand new person, but then, um, my first round of full Fox, um, was tough because I felt the neuropathy really start to kick in. And we knew it would be a potential problem. I had that conversation with my oncologist right off the bat. And that was her main concern because she knew the the side effect of that particular drug was peripheral neuropathy. So we knew we were going to be watching it pretty, pretty closely. Um, But it hit me hard, but it was doable. And I, as a cancer patient, I kept saying, I got this. I can do this. I'll push through it, you know, and I'm doing my, my quotation fingers because that's what we all say. I'll just push through it. But, you know, three days after my infusion, my thumbs locked up six days after that first infusion, my jaw didn't want to move very good. Uh, So it was like, okay, all right. And then that, you know, I felt better second infusion I was, I, again, I pushed through the infusion, no issues. Six hours later, I was in the ER with a stroke-like event. I couldn't use my left arm. My speech was slurred and I was, my gait was so unsteady that, um, I, I very wide gait, meaning I was walking really wide. Um, and in my head, like my brain was totally fine. I was trying to tell everybody it's the drug. It's, it's the oxy. I did not have a stroke, but if you looked at me, it was like, holy cow, you just had a stroke. This is not good. So that was after the second one. So I went from, I'm kind of feeling better to like a thousand percent worse with neuropathy in a three week time frame. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Well, let's so obviously we stopped the oxy at that point, switched to something else. But yeah, yeah. you couldn't push through anymore. No, no, no. That whole push through concept kind of just disappeared <laughs> at that point. <laughs> okay, I'm done pushing. I'm done. Yeah, pushing. I'm done. Let's switch. Yeah. 
Well, let's, For our let's, listeners, can we go back to the basics and just talk about maybe some of them are, some of them are familiar with diabetic neuropathy mm-hmm. versus chemo induced uh, peripheral neuropathy? Can you sure. talk about the differences? Yeah. So let's start off with the diabetic neuropathy. So um, everybody really is kind of in tune to that with today's society and discussion about, you know, every time you go to your PCP, do you have diabetes? Let's check your sugar, all that stuff. Well, what happens in diabetic neuropathy is that the, um, the excess sugar that's built up in a diabetic system um, affects the nerves and it causes, in layman's terms, the nerve to swell. And when the nerve swells, then the electricity that's conducted across that nerve doesn't work as well. It stops the communication from the end of the nerve back up to the brain so that 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 communication just is not correct anymore. Meaning they they don't feel heat, they don't feel cold, they don't feel sharp, they kind of lose balance, they don't know when they're rubbing a blister, those kind of things. And it can be controlled or improved when the glucose or excess sugar that they make is improved. So you keep your sugar in check you're less likely to have any issue with diabetic neuropathy. As diabetics get older, the longer they have diabetes, the more likely they are to have it just simply because at that point it's long-term. But it can be controlled and not as severe. So with diabetic neuropathy, it's more of a long-term or a a something that is, is induced by ourselves as diabetics. We eat too much sugar, the nerves swell up. Then if we continue to do that over a course of time, well, then we end up with neuropathy. That's diabetic neuropathy. Um, Chemotherapy-induced neuropathy is a, a chemical hit from the drugs that we are taking that actually damages the nerve. So what happens Uh, is that one or combination of the chemotherapy drugs that we're given that keep us alive, and I will say that multiple times through this entire conversation, they keep us alive, but they do have side effects. And for some of those drugs, that side effect is that it attacks the nerve, usually the peripheral nerves. And peripheral means the, the long nerves that reach out to the ends of our limbs, so it's our, our hands, our fingers, our toes, our feet, our, our arms, our lower legs. That's what we mean by peripheral, outside the central body. So the chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy is not as easy to treat because the nerve itself is actually being damaged. It's being changed. And we usually have to find ways to manage that not completely take it away. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Oh yes. And I know Pam, you, you know, and some of our listeners probably are are sitting here going, Oh yes, I feel that. Uh, That's me. I know you've had conversations, Pam, with, with survivors as well as I have too, of, you know, if I'd have known it was going to be this bad on this side, I may not have taken treatment or, you know, I wish there was something else. And, and we talk about that too, a lot of the, the side effects of the drugs that work so well to save your life, uh, unfortunately come with baggage. Right, right. And that's the hard part too, is not knowing that we're so individual and in how these drugs affect us that I don't think an oncologist or an oncology nurse, when they're when they're going over the information with a patient can globally say, you're going to have all these problems because I I know some patients that had the same exact treatment I did and they had zero neuropathy, none, never affected, never got sick, no issues. And then I have on the opposite spectrum, some that are in a wheelchair now because they can't walk. I mean, it just, we're also individuals. So I think it's, knowing, okay, here's the possibility. Now, how do I look at it two ways? I'm in treatment. How do I work on it right now? And I'm post-treatment. How do I manage it? Yes. 
So with the nerves being damaged, do they is do they regenerate um, after chemo? They can. Um, it's slow. So patience is the key when we're talking about neuropathy. And a lot of us don't have that patience because, heck, we feel like we beat cancer. Let's just go right back to normal. And I use my quotation fingers again because we don't have a normal anymore. We have a new normal um, from multiple avenues of that, dealing with the side effect of whatever cancer and the treatment of it left us with. So the nerves can regenerate if the damage was not so severe that they have that ability. So in some patients, it won't. In some patients, it will. Right. And that's hard, too. That's hard, too, for caregivers and families to grasp as well. Right. You know, but you're done with treatment. You should be good. You should be better. You yeah. should be great. And sometimes these things just, oh, just linger on. Right. And right. this type of neuropathy doesn't just happen with colon patients. It can happen with breast cancer patients. Right. Right. And that leads me to say that that's important for you to talk to your physician when you start having these sensations sooner rather than later, because maybe they can re- dose reduce your chemotherapy. Correct. It's super important. I always uh, say, as soon as you feel something different, something changing, tell them. I always kept a log of absolutely everything that I felt between infusions so that whether I saw the PA that time, the nurse or the the physician, my oncologist, they had a list of everything I felt from the last infusion so that we could together make a decision of what needed to happen next. So, and I know patients are fearful, like, well, if I tell my physicians, they're going to stop my treatment. Right. And it's so scary for them. Is there different phases of neuropathy? Yes. So you're, you're looking at, um, I usually lump them into acute and chronic. Um, and then even in acute, there's um, like a cold sensitivity, acute neuropathy, and then there's that acute peripheral neuropathy. And that's when you're first getting started with chemo. And um, Pam, you can help me out with the, with the breast cancer patients or any other patient that might get Taxol or that kind of stuff. Um, I'll speak from my perspective with the oxaliplatin that with acute neuropathy, we have to be careful of uh, eating anything cold, drinking anything cold, uh, taking in like it, uh, breathing in cold air because we can get a spasm in the throat. And it feels like our throat's closing. It's not, but it feels that way. And if we feel like we can't breathe, and so then we get the freak out moment of, well, here it is, I'm done. Right. All I did was, you know, breathe cold air and it, it's over. And re- the reality is that's just a, a side effect and it's actually a neuropathy, but it's acute. It's happening just at that moment. It goes away pretty quickly. And when I mean pretty quickly, it's in a couple of minutes, but it's an acute thing. The other acute part of it is um, when we're talking about cold sensitivity is your hands, your fingertips can't tolerate anything cold. So reaching in your refrigerator to get, uh, you know, milk or lunch or going to the grocery store and getting frozen broccoli can be excruciating. Mm -hmm. So those are things that we have to watch out for, but they're examples of acute cold sensitivity, which is a neuropathy. Those things go away quickly. I know whenever I would educate patients um, before they got chemo, they always looked at me like, what do you mean I'm not going to be able to get the milk out of the refrigerator? And I'd always say, you need to have a pair of gloves besides yeah. And they would always look at me like, are you sure? Until it happened to them. And they're yeah. like, wow, she that actually like, is horrible. <laughs> you know what you're talking about now. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Oh. But then the other acute neuropathy is, 
um, is that beginning of the peripheral neuropathy, the tinglies that you get at your fingertips, the tinglies on your toes. It may feel like pins and needles. It may feel like little ants crawling on you. Um, it may feel just kind of numb-ish, but that's that's the acute or beginning of the changes at the tips of the nerves that's happening from the chemo. Mm-hmm. And the more they get, the more side effects they can get, the acute side effects they can have. Correct. Correct. So for chronic, what do, how do you define that? So chronic um, is, is that long-term. Um, and really, long-term doesn't mean years, decades, that kind of stuff. It's months. So uh, for chemo patients. So if you've had your your condition, your your tingling, your burning, your numbness, those kind of things for more than three months, you've hit the chronic stage for chemo induced peripheral neuropathy. Okay. Um, does it mean that you can't reverse some of those things? But the goal of uh, a treating chronic um, neuropathy is doing things as soon as you feel it, as soon as you notice that it's there to potentially reduce how bad it can get and how bad or how long it can last. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, uh, in discussing today, there's kind of two discussions with chronic. One is I'm in treatment. I feel it. What can I do? And I'm post-treatment and I've got a whole different set of symptoms now with neuropathy and what you can do with that, because there's really two different, two different ways to look at it, to be honest. I, I am what, one of the things you said that, that hit me like a ton of bricks and it it always, and again, everyone knows I'm non-clinical and it's one of those things where I learn so much from, from guests like, like you today and I try to relate back to the layperson. Everyone listening, I think the key thing that you just said a second ago was you noted every single side effect between and feelings between your treatments, and then you showed it to them and handed it over and said, here it yep. is. Yeah. And I, I I think that's so empowering because I would I feel like I would be the person that just sits there and goes, Well, this is kind of how I'm supposed to be. Um, I'll be back tomorrow or, you know, I, I'm supposed to not feel well, it's working. And that's not the case necessarily. And I hope that anyone listening, if they're in treatment or, you know, someone in treatment, tell them that that seems to be something that is not done often. Pam, I don't know if you've ever had that when you were uh, in treating an oncology nurse, did you ever have anyone come to you and go, here's all my feelings I'm having in between treatments. There was some of those patients, but there was some of those patients that I don't want to say anything because they're going to stop my treatment. And then what is my chances of living? And right. so uh, they're scared. And right. it's yeah. a hard place to be because they want to tell you, but they don't want to tell you. Um, but it's important that they do. I would tell, <laughs> I would tell my oncologist everything. I, so if for my treatment, I for one infusion, uh, one week I would see the oncologist and then the next time I would see the PA and then like we kind of alternated that way. So they knew everything and they knew, they called me a unicorn because I would do some really weird stuff. I mean, my body is just weird as it is. But I, if I pooped my pants at breakfast that morning, I wrote it down. I mean, it was a part of what was happening and I wanted them to know because if I was, I felt like maybe I was not doing something right. So am I doing, if they could tell me how to do something differently to make it better, I was all in. When they told me we can't do full Fox anymore, even after I'd been in the ER, actually in the ER four times, I didn't tell you that, four times with those two infusions, I, I was still willing to push through because I thought if I didn't get full Fox, I was going to die. Right. And my oncologist said, no, we have other options. 
We just start with this one. You didn't tolerate this one. We're going to go to another one. We had options. And that was what I, even as a doctor, didn't know because I thought, gosh, I'm not doing it right. So how can I do it? Well, it had nothing to do with me. So that's why I, that's when I really flipped the switch on, okay, I really do have to tell them everything. And I did. I mean, I trust me. Whoa, man, they, they got an earful every time. They knew it all. They knew it all. They knew it all. And believe me, being a colon cancer patient, I pooped my pants a lot. (laughs) I had to get used to it. (laughs) So with, um, Oxaliplatin, my understanding is that the neuropathy can be worse after the treatment has stopped. Yes. And yes. um, whereas with Taxol, it's more during treatment. And so with Taxol, and I'm going to verify with you with Taxol, um, once treatment is over, does it improve? It Yeah, it can improve. They can okay. have chronic, but okay. you see... I oftentimes hear, well, I'm done with treatment, but my neuropathy's gotten worse with those with colon cancer. Colon cancer patients, yes. So it's called the coasting effect. And what happens is that um, we've we've had treatment and our nerves are actually still changing from the oxaliplatin, meaning the effect from the chemical attack on the nerve is actually still in effect, usually three to six months after we finish our last dose of, of oxaliplatin. So within that time frame, we will notice that we want to feel better because we're done with infusions, but our nerves are still dying off basically, for lack of a better word, from the chemical hit. So it takes about three to six months for that to like run its course. Mm-hmm. And that's why we will get worse with neuropathy after our last infusion. Wow. So it's tough to know that, okay, I'm finished, but yet, dang it, it's going to get worse. Shoot. I'm not um, quite but it, it's being educated knowing, okay, this is coming. How do I, how do I handle it? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good segue. Let's talk about handling it. Okay. Uh, I know you've got, you know, some, some tips and management and tricks and yes. so forth. Um, let's, let's dive into that. Cause I'm sure our listeners are going, tell me what to do. What am I doing? I know I've got enough about the education, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Let's start, let's just do like basic acute neuropathy, Um, because that I think in itself can be super scary, especially for those patients on oxaliplatin who have to worry about drinking cold, eating cold, that whole thing. So what what we found um, in in our our kind of colon cancer uh, groups that I'm in is that... um, especially in Texas, when you leave your infusion um, in the summertime, do not hop in your car and put the air conditioner vents directly on you. (laughs) Cover your mouth, okay, so that, or have a scarf, something around your neck, so that when you transition from one building to another, and you're not sure if you're walking into a cold environment or not, that you just have your mouth covered until you have basically acclimated to that environment. Uh, that helps with the colds, the cold spasms in the throat, that kind of stuff. Of Drink, obviously, you know, warm or room temperature water. Some people even have trouble with room temperature. So it might be a warmer water, warm teas, hot teas, coffees, that kind of stuff helps. Um, in the cold, because you guys actually, I think, are still getting snow randomly up there, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. But um, so always going outside with a scarf around your mouth so that, again, you're breathing your warm air until you have gotten to a place that is warm enough that you can remove the scarf. You're, you're shielding yourself from from breathing anything cold. If you have a spasm, don't freak out. I say that 
with the with the laughter, I'm not gonna lie. When it happened to me, I freaked out. I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty sure I couldn't breathe. And then I just had to tell myself, well, you're telling yourself that you're gonna die. So you must be okay. Because <laughs> you're still you're actually breathing. So it's just slowing down, putting both hands over your mouth and breathe in warm air. That's your goal. The more warm air you can get, the faster that goes away. So um, using gloves at the grocery store, in your freezer, having somebody else get it out for you. Um, stay away from anything like that's your, your cold sensitivity stuff. Now let's jump into hands and feet. Yes. Okay. So, um, uh, and I've got, I've got my list over here, so I'm just going to kind of follow it. Oh, there we go. Okay. So, uh, everybody knows about, uh, supplements. We all talk about, you know, we got to take, you know, this supplement to feel this way and the supplement to lose weight and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Well, we have supplements that will help, um, our neuropathy, our chemo neuropathy. And, um, Pam, you can jump in on this too, as well, on what supplements you might suggest, uh, for patients when you're going through with them, you know, what will help, but we've found that, um, just the vitamin B's, are fantastic. Um, and they're protective more than anything else. So, uh, vitamin B6 is a really good option. Um, but it is not one of those supplements that you can just take as much as you want to of it. Uh, 100 milligrams max, no more than that. And uh, what it does is it helps protect the nerve or gives the nerve a shield. Uh, somewhat from the chemical hit of chemotherapy won't prevent it completely, but it at least gives it kind of a, a little buffer and it does help with nerve pain. Um, and so does B12. B12, you've got a little bit more leniency uh, of using it to help with your nerve pain. And again, just overall nerve health. So the vitamin Bs are nerve health. Um, any, and this is a caveat, anything that I discussed today that you are going to ingest, you need to talk to your doctor first because these drugs um, that we're taking for chemotherapy, sometimes they don't mix well with certain um, supplements and you need to know which ones those are for your particular chemo regimen. For us, uh, we could not take uh, folate if we were taking uh, oxalate, uh, uh, full fox because it has a, a component of folate in it. And so uh, that, even though that's a, a B supplement, we have to steer clear of that during chemo. So that's one example of knowing what's okay to take and what's not okay to take. So, so supplements are a great option. Uh, and I would highly suggest having that conversation with your oncologist about well, what's okay to take and what's not okay to take. But the vitamin Bs are awesome. Very nerve, nerve healthy, nerve protective. What about alpha plug acid? So it is um, uh, one of those things that you can take. Um, if you uh, don't take it with uh, a thymine product, so that's vitamin B1, told you the bees are out there. <laughs> it's been shown to help, but again, this goes into the caveat of talk to your doctor because when I brought that one up to my oncologist, they actually did an internal study and found that um, alpha lipoic acid and acetyl L-carnitine both increased cancer recurrence for their patients. So they took that one off the list. Now, if you go out to, let's say, Johns Hopkins or the Mayo Clinic, they their research will tell you that it's kind of 50-50. Some patients find that taking that supplement helps reduce their nerve pain, and some patients find no use for it whatsoever. So um, there's, there's, like a, there's no definitive study that says this supplement is great for uh, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. Mm -hmm. It's a trial and error. From what I understand is there are supplements out there, but before they start taking them, it's important that they talk to their doctor. 
A hundred percent. Yes. What about topicals? Love topicals. Oh my gosh, my favorite. That's my favorite. Absolutely. I'll tell you why. Because topicals you can use all day long as much as you want. And there's no, there's not a side effect to it. It doesn't interfere with your uh, treatment process. It helps you improve your quality of life during your treatment process. Topicals you can get at the pharmacy, any CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, that kind of stuff. And you want to look at a couple of different versions. Um, if you have really bad burning, like, like intense burning pain, you can use a topical that has capsaicin in it, which is that chili powder wow. uh, form and uh, put that on. And what happens is that chili powder that's in capsaicin will actually calm the nerve pain down. It's crazy how it works, but it takes those little nerve ending receptors and it, it, lack of a better word, it confuses the signal back to the brain so that the brain is like, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So let me just shut that off, which shuts off the pain. Wow. And that's how that works for, for layman's description. If you guys want to get serious about the conversation, well, we can have that later and I'll have diagrams and all this other stuff, but that's really how it works. Uh, other topicals that use a combination of let's say peppermint oils and lidocaine. Salon POS is a really good example. Salon POS with lidocaine. Um, it does the same concept. Let's say a peppermint oil that's, or any kind of oil like that, that has a, a heat effect is calming the nerve. It's, it's giving that confused signal back to the brain. And then the lidocaine component of it numbs it. Wow. So that if you can't go to sleep at night because your feet are like on fire or they're achy or they're bothering you, lather up with that stuff and it'll help calm it down. Now, here's the cool part about the topicals. The third component of the topical is you physically putting it on. And what I mean by that is when you get ready to put on a topical, put it on one hand and let's say you're, you're working on your feet. They're driving you nuts. Well, put some topical in your hand and rub it in like crazy, vigorously, okay? All right, as I'm doing this with my hands. Because that friction of rubbing it in and really getting in and massaging it causes a confusion signal to the brain. So just simply doing that adds to improving how you feel. Wow. You, what about massages? I mean, is that something... Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Massages are fantastic um, just because they help increase blood flow to the nerves. And if we increase blood flow, we do two things. We kind of help wash off some of that, that chemical that's sitting on the nerve, but it also brings in oxygen. And oxygen does two things. It improves nerve health, so it helps it heal, but it also takes away pain. So if we get blood flow to an area like our fingertips, our toes, our feet, hands, that kind of stuff, it, uh, it helps us feel better. We kind of did our own little study um, in a group that I'm in online, and uh, we found that working on your nerves while you're in treatment, meaning rubbing your hands, rubbing your feet while you're in treatment actually made our neuropathy worse because we're getting infusion, meaning we're actively getting the chemical in. And if we were increasing the blood flow to our hands and our feet, we're increasing the chemical that's going to those areas. But if we iced those areas during our infusions, it made our neuropathy a whole lot better. And that's a whole nother conversation we can have at a different time of icing during an infusion with oxaliplatin, which used to be a huge no-no. And now we're starting to see that, hey, this might be helping us with quality of life. So when you're working on, um, on massage or adding topicals or anything like that, do it when you're home. When you're done with your infusion, it's over. 
And, you know, you're, that's usually when you feel the worst anyway, is when you're home, you got your feet up and now they're really talking to you, do it then. But topicals, my favorite, my absolute favorite topical is my CBD salve. hundred percent. That's for me, not everybody, but that's for me. I love it. It instantly takes away my pain instantly. Wow. I know that, you know, there's, there's so much still to learn. Yeah. As you said, I mean, ongoing new new processes, new things, um, and, and it just boggles my my non clinical mind of something that you would say, like you're saying, putting the capsation cream. It seems like that to me would be counterproductive, but for it to be so confusing and working so powerfully, yeah. um, wow, that's. I mean, it, it's just there are some really cool things out there. There is, and none of this stuff is hard to get, hard to find. It's literally in your grocery store. Walmart can order it off Amazon. I mean, it's readily available. Um, When you're talking about the CBD products, my big thing for CBD products is just knowing where, how it's manufactured and that you, you have a good source of it. You know what you're getting. So because there's a lot of charlatans out there that are like, oh, let me just slap CBD on there and they'll buy it. Yeah. Be educated, you know, and I think you have another uh, episode all about that. Be yes. educated in what you're getting and it should work really well for you. Absolutely. You know, to all our listeners, if, if you're still just getting into our podcast series, definitely go back and listen to our podcast that we did uh, talking about medical cannabis and CBD and the differences and the legalities uh, you know, and, and be educated. And just as, as Dr. Cardenas, you said, it's not all the same. There are some that are, you know, uh, more questionable we'll say than others. And there's some, some potential issues with, uh, you know, testing positive and so forth. If you if, if that's a concern, so educate yourself and follow that guidance but uh, talk to us about the CBD that you, that's your favorite, your, 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 your mm-hmm. how, how, how quickly you said it's almost instant. It's very mm-hmm. quick acting. Yeah. So I was introduced to a CBD, uh, both a salve and a tincture by a friend while I was going through chemo. And um, he sent it to me and said, I really think it would help. And I hated, I just, you know, as a cancer patient, you're like, whatever, Thank you for being so nice. Yeah, yeah, really. Okay, thanks. But I got it. And I was like, well, why not? Because I feel like crap. So why not? I'll try it. And um, the first thing I tried was the salve because I didn't want to ingest anything at the time because honestly, I mean, I have a really weird sensitive stomach and I was like, oh, I don't I don't know about it. So I needed to research myself before I ingested any of it but I started right away with the sap because I knew that wasn't going to hurt me and I put it on my hands first and was like okay well it's nice and it smelled nice you know it didn't smell weird and so I was like okay this is kind of nice and then I just kind of forgot about it and realized I didn't have the tinglys the pricklies like that it was just gone and it was fast it's like okay Okay, so then I put it on my feet and just paid attention. Two minutes, within two minutes, no tingling, no burning, no nothing. Um, and so I, I just religiously, I had it by my uh, on my table side by the couch. And whenever I really started to feel that tingly prickly, I just lathered up, you know, and it felt great. I then, once I researched and felt comfortable, tried the tincture that elevated my whole like process of getting through the rest of my chemo, to be honest, because I switched from full Fox to full fury and or in a tea can is just tough on the gut. And so I um, got to where I was doing the CBD tincture every morning um, and every night. And not only did it help calm my nauseous tummy, it just made me feel better and it helped reduce my nerve pain. So I found that combination of the two to be helpful. Um, The strange thing about the CBD salve 
totally off topic of neuropathy. I had a headache one day and I was like, well, crap, if this CBD stuff works on my feet and my hands, I wonder if it works on my headache too. So I literally rubbed it on my forehead within a minute, headache gone. Crazy. Yeah. It is not a cure-all. That's the thing. I mean, it doesn't just cure everything and make everything feel better. But for me, I found it to be super helpful. And I also found the company for the tincture where they put essential oils in it, like uh, peppermint, cinnamon, and orange, so that it tasted good. I had, I did have somebody send me some and it tasted like gasoline and I told them, forget it. That's I'm out. Yeah. It should not taste like gasoline. If you're listening, if somebody gives you CBD and it tastes like gasoline, throw it away. No, but this other, it, I use the cinnamon one and I still use it every day. It makes me feel fantastic. What about acupuncture? Acupuncture is awesome. Um, mostly because it does the blood flow thing, it's bringing in blood flow to the areas that um, are most affected. So acupuncture usually focuses when we're, we're talking about CIPN, it focuses on the limbs, the extremities. Um, and if you also are comfortable with the idea of uh, Eastern medicine and your chakras and your, your kind of your lifelines and that kind of stuff, which I am, I totally, I, 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 it's been around for 5,000 plus years. So there's got to be something to it, you know, but um, uh, acupuncture for neuropathy, particularly chronic neuropathy that you've had your post treatment and your suffering start with acupuncture uh, because it brings in blood flow, helps coat the nerves it improves the nerve health. But there's something about it that I don't know is um, it's this is just anecdotal but I really do believe that it improves nerve function, meaning it helps the communication between the ends of the nerve back to your brain for whatever reason. Um, Is it for everybody? No. Does it work for everybody? No, but you don't know till you try it, but don't think it's crazy. If you go get acupuncture and it's your feet that are bothering you and they put a, a small acupuncture needle in your earlobe, it just trust it. Okay. It just, that's just the way it works. <laughs> go with it. Just go with go it. With it. Just go with it. it. Right. Yeah. Need to be aware of before they try acupuncture that their count should be good before they go. Yeah. I am going to, I couldn't stress that enough. If you're in active treatment and you want to do acupuncture, ask your doctor first, because um, you can't, you obviously can't do it if your counts are low. That puts you in, in danger of infection and bleeding and all that other stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really need to be, you need to be good on your labs if you want to do that. Okay. What about home therapy? Is there anything, any exercises that they can do to help um, simple things maybe? Yeah. So um, one of the things that uh, I stumbled across was nerve glide exercises. And um, I will give you guys a link for a video on those exercises. And it's so simple of of moving your, your hands at the wrist, your feet at the ankle, and holding those positions for a small amount of time, count of 10, but doing that throughout the day um, actually helps the nerve function itself, which reduces your pain, moving your fingers in certain positions, like small exercises, sounds crazy, but it improves the nerve health and it helps pain. Anything we can do to drop pain. So nerve glide exercises is one of my favorites. Um, and there's there's a great YouTube video uh, link about that that I can get you guys. The other thing is yoga at home. Crazy enough yoga. I'm not talking about the let's get sweaty and lose weight yoga. Uh, It may be closer to a Tai Chi concept. It's gentle movement, which goes along with the nerve glide concept. It's gentle movement. We're stretching the nerve gently 
to make it happy, make it feel better. That's that's the that's what we're looking for. But again, videos on that. Do type just Google uh, YouTube uh, yoga for neuropathy. Boom, you'll get all kinds of stuff that comes up. What, Ron, what are you hearing? What I'm hearing? Yeah, you know, I, Pam, I have one more question about um, exercise. What yes. about water? Water exercise. Water exercise. As long as you can get in the water, um, you're okay to do that. Go for it. Yeah. If you are an oxali patient, oxaliplatin patient, and it's not a heated pool, I don't suggest it. Um, and, this, and obviously, if you're post-infusion, go for it. Um, but uh, water therapy is phenomenal because you're moving. It's movement that makes you feel better. Uh, so if you, if you if you can't walk outside because you don't feel stable or comfortable, get in the pool, have somebody with you, get in the pool and exercise. Don't, though, go in the pool and walk the length of the pool barefooted because if you can't feel your feet very well you and you rub some hot spots on the feet with blisters and that kind of stuff, well, you're going to go backwards uh, with what you can do to feel better. So, but yeah, I love, I love it. You know, Pam, we've, we've said this and it sounds like a broken record. I know to some of our listeners, but we have what we have at the cancer survivorship center for a reason. It's not that we sat around and said, you know, I saw this thing on TV they were doing these kind of stretches and, and let's, let's have that class. That looked kind of cool. You know, we offer yoga, we offer Tai Chi, we offer Qigong, which is a seated form of Tai Chi. If you have balance issues, we have a balance class um, to help you with balance. We have um, a walking group where we have a, um, if you will, a, a walking group where you're going to be a little speed walker and, and, and faster. And we have a B walking group where you're a little more hanging back in the back and enjoying the walk uh, with your, with your friends and so forth. So, you know, and, and we have water exercise. We have massage too. Yeah. We have water exercise, which isn't a, I'm moving to Amarillo right now. I'll tell you that right now, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and not only do we have massage, we have massage with a certified oncology massage therapist. Uh, you know, we, we have these resources for reasons just exactly like we've delved into today on chemo-induced neuropathy. It's all, as, as you said, Dr. Cardenas, it's all about movement. And that's where we always say, you know what? Wherever you are, just be active. Right. However you can do that. If it's right. you know, walking around the house and holding onto the couch and the chair and the wall as you go, do it. If right. it's a lap around the neighborhood, do it. You know, r- ride a bicycle or whatever that is. Being active makes a difference. Huge, huge difference. The cool thing too, it's all free here at the Cancer Survivorship Center. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, we want our listeners, right? We want our listeners to go, I need to to take advantage of that. These are some things they can do at home. Just as you said, YouTube. We have videos on YouTube that that you can um, do on demand. Uh, You know, uh, the... Um, primarily we had them, of course, during, during, uh, quarantine and COVID, but they're still there, you know, a couple of hundred videos on yoga and Tai Chi. So those of you listening, check them out, listen to those videos, watch the videos, come to a class. It, it, you may find out that it's not for you to do it in class. You're more comfortable doing it at home. That's why we have those. Um, yeah, it, it, we feel like we have a really special place here, uh, Dr. Cardenas, that, that is available for survivors while treatment and after treatment. That, that's amazing. And I'm not kidding. I wish I was close to you guys because that kind of stuff is, it's hard to find. I live in the DFW area and it's hard for me to find people who understand the cancer side of it so that they can help you through whatever it might be that you're you're struggling with. Sometimes just being in a room with other cancer patients, I may not need to do a yoga session. I just need to be with them. That's it. Yep. You know, it's huge. It is. What about one last treatment for neuropathy? What about prescription medications? 
Sure. So most of the docs are going to prescribe gabapentin and um, it works. Honestly, it does. Um, It doesn't work for everybody. It is uh, a drug that you start low and go slow with. That's what I always say. So you're going to start out taking it to see um, how you tolerate it because it can make you feel a little fuzzy headed, a little foggy, a little kind of loopy. Um, and you've got to get used to that feeling before you can titrate up to a dose that will take away your pain. Um, I do, though, strongly suggest that you take it if you have the pricklies to heat the pain part of neuropathy. I don't really suggest it if you have numbness because it doesn't really change a numb nerve. Um, and, and that's kind of, that's overall historically, uh, with anything gabapentin's ever treated, um, as some patients, uh, diabetic patients will be on gabapentin. Um, it does have a cap, meaning you can only take so much of it and your brain over time is going to get used to it. So there will be a point in time where you have to change to something else anyway. Um, I don't like the concept of let's just take gabapentin and hope it works. I'm much more of a combination person. Take gabapentin if you have horrible pain from your neuropathy. Take it. Let's start getting used to it. But let's also combine that with massage and topicals. Let's combine that with acupuncture, reflexology. Let's combine it with going to a yoga class. Don't just assume that there's only one thing I can do to get better. None of this works by itself in a standalone silo. It's combined. It's all combined. So for me, my my daily regimen is my CBD tincture in the morning, movement of whatever that might be, whether that's me dancing around in my home office or walking the dog or whatever. I, I, I don't like traditional exercise. I don't like to ride a bike. I don't like to just, you know, go exercise. I never did. So I might work in the yard. It's just movement. I use topicals as I need to. And then I make sure I'm getting the vitamins that I need to just for overall nerve health. That's my regimen now. And it's not a quick fix either. No, it is not. I say anything that you start uh, to try, you got to give it two months minimum, not two weeks, two months, unless it's making you worse. If it's making you worse, stop it. But uh, that's the nerves are so slow to change and so slow to accept us what we're doing to improve the nerve pain and the health that it's not going to be an overnight thing. And you're going to know it. You literally have to give it two months. If you've seen absolutely no change in your, in your nerve pain or your neuropathy or your numbness after two months, switch it up, do something different. Um, it, it may be that you need to use, um, let's say a, a light therapy versus, um, uh, massage, uh, and light therapy is awesome. We can touch on that for a second if we have time. Sure. I'll make it really quick. But um, uh, it's infrared light therapy. Again, you can get it on Amazon, um, but it's non-invasive, no drugs, and it increases blood flow. Increased blood flow, we increase the oxygen to the area, we improve the nerve health. That might be a thing that works better for you than let's say acupuncture. We don't know until we try, but it's an affordable thing to try versus, um, you know, some really crazy, you know, going to some sort of center that says, I'm going to treat your neuropathy or cure your neuropathy. You know, those are expensive and they don't necessarily offer you for cancer patients, good, uh, a relief that I've seen, to be honest. And I'm not knocking those. I'm just saying, for cancer patients, we we know what we need. It's just we are so individual. We've got to keep kind of changing things up to see what works. And then when we find something that works, stick with it until it doesn't, and then you change it up again. Yeah. 
Wow. Pam, we, we have, we have covered a lot, but we haven't covered it all. Heck no. We're <laughs> scratching the surface, y'all. We are scratching the surface. You know, I, I tell you, um, there, there, I mentioned early on when I was introducing you, um, that you, you've been published and, and, and you're a part of a lot of things. Um, we've not even touched about your, the study that was done with ASCO. We've not even talked about Colon Town. We've not right. even talked about in depth at icing. Can, can we have you back? Would love to. Oh, yes. You know, Would love so to. This, this for our listeners, you guys, not to leave you with a cliffhanger, but there's so much more. Um, and, and Dr. Cardenas has, has imparted a lot of wisdom and knowledge today. Um, I, I hope uh, you guys took notes. You may want to listen to this two or three times to get it all repeatedly. Um, but wow, I tell you, um, Pam, I'm blown away. I really am. There's a lot of information. And what I'm going to take away from this is um, there's hope for our patients. They don't oh. have to suffer. And quality of life is important for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's my goal is to educate as many people going through cancer, whether that be the patient, the caregiver, the family, the friend, know that you're not necessarily just stuck with living with what you've got post chemo or during chemo. There's a way to improve your quality of life. And um, it just, it takes a little time and a little patience to try things, but don't just accept it. Right. You know, it, it goes back to sharing your story. I mean, in a roundabout way, you're sharing your story with building in the expertise that you have from your medical side and your experience. And right. you're sharing your, you know, journey and you're helping people along the right. That's it's so powerful. Uh, you know, I, I thank you for, for, for sharing that today. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think uh, I hope our, I know our listeners got some things. You know, speaking of powerful, uh, we're sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. Um, encourage you guys to, to go check them out, check out their website. Uh, tell them thanks for, for sponsoring uh, our Beyond the Ribbon podcast. But Dr. Cardenas, do you have a powerful moment, a Pete's powerful moment you can share with us? Yes. So my Pete's, my personal Pete's powerful moment hmm. um, came after I uh, left the ER from my full Fox treatment for the fourth time. Um, I, that's when I decided I have to be way more educated about what's happening to me. I, I have to be. And so my Pete's powerful moment came after that when I decided I was going to be the CEO of my own treatment. And I was going to learn and educate and not be afraid. I was a doctor and I thought I knew it all. And I didn't know jack about my cancer. Nothing. And so when I started learning, I had great conversations with my doc and my staff and they had great conversations with me. And that's what got me through it. I, I understood what was happening. I wasn't afraid of what was happening. And then when I understood it, I could accept no matter what this is, this may or may not be an outcome, but at least I understand how it's working. So that's my Pete's powerful moment was becoming my, I'm the CEO of me. <laughs> that's a very powerful moment. Where can our listeners find you? Do you have um, social media that they can connect yeah. with? So if you are, um, if you are on Twitter, you can find me at nerves matter. Um, I'm work, I'm actually working on a, uh, a site now for, all of this stuff that we've been talking about is called Nerves Matter, and it's for all cancer survivors uh, that no matter what cancer you have, if you're dealing with CIPN. Uh, so you can find me at Twitter, Nerves Matter. You can find me on Facebook at just me, Dana Cardenas. <laughs> but you can also find me in Colentown, and Colentown is on Facebook. It is a secret, private uh, Facebook group that is dedicated to patients that have colorectal cancer or their care partners uh, who are helping them. So um, it, it's wonderful and it truly is 
probably the number one site for me for colon cancer because I can go in there, have conversations in a comfortable, open environment about what's happening with me. And we, there's no judgment and it's wonderful because, you know, you have colon cancer, you got to talk a lot about poop and what happens with your colon and the world doesn't necessarily want to talk to you about that, but Colon Town does. And that's why I like it so much. But inside Colon Town, I admin a group called Nerves or called Livewire. And it's 100% all we do is talk about how to deal with our neuropathy. And so um, you can definitely find me there. So colontown.org is the, the fastest way to find it. Um, and it'll get you to the group. Um, but otherwise, I'm here. <laughs> and and she'll be back and i'll be back because we've yes. got lots to talk about yes absolutely uh i tell you um yeah colon town is when, when we when coincidentally uh pam found you on twitter and of course that's how we connected um yeah. and it was one of those things it was like oh and then there's this and then did you go check out Cullen Town? And, and, and Pam was like, yes. And I'm like, I did too. This is so cool. And so we want to have you back. Talk about yeah. Cullen Town. Talk about your publication. Talk about icing and anything else that we've missed along the way. I love um, it. There's so much more. So uh, in the meantime, like our podcast, share our podcast, subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. Check it out. Share this. This is an important episode because there's so much for you to pass along to those that you know who are struggling in the same manner you don't have to suffer you don't have to suffer um there's a lot of tips and a lot of tricks and a lot of management that can happen so take a listen to this podcast again like it give us a feedback let us know how we're doing and then join us again next week for beyond the ribbon and then come back again uh and join dr cardenas again as we touch more on uh cancer-induced peripheral neuropathy in Colon Town and so forth. So thank you guys for listening and we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again and we'll be back next week.